I think vetting the sponsors is huge and don't vet them on that deal because that's just a deal. Like vet them, like vet you two and see what kind of people you are. And then you guys should be finding out what's their investment thesis. Is it a younger person maybe and they want their equity to just multiply. So they might be looking at equity multiple and say, all right, I don't really need the funds every month. I, I'm good for like development deals because I don't need this any returns for three years. Or is it someone who's maybe dependent on that monthly cash on cash? So there's like not only for them vetting you two and then they can dive into the deal and see, see what it is, but you guys should also be vetting them as well. Welcome to the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Blue Oak Capital. If you are looking to take your real estate investing to the next level and learn how you can achieve your financial success by investing in multifamily real estate, then this show is for you. Our mission is to help you improve your education and learn proven strategies from industry leaders to help you master multifamily investing. Now here's your hosts, Cody Laughlin, John Beatty, and Brian Alfaro. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Real Estate Cody, and with me, as always, the one and only coffee connoisseur himself, Mr. Brian Alfaro. What's up, buddy? Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Real Estate Cody. Super excited for our guest on our show today. Yeah, I know. And hey, perfect timing, right? We just launched a new offering and, uh, you know, we're, we're collecting investor funds and whatnot, which leads us right into our perfect conversation for today. So tell the audience who we're speaking with. Today, we have Brad from Investnext. Brad is the head of partnership development with Investnext. He has been in real estate or investments for about 20 years. Over the last five years, Brad ran a successful investor relations department and then made the switch over to Investnext, where his focus has been helping investor relations departments successfully utilize technology to help grow their business. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks for... Uh... Having me, guys. It was good. Uh, I know we got a chance to catch up a couple weeks ago in Dallas, so it's good. That, that was fantastic because we've been going back and forth. So good to be on the show, and hopefully, I can provide some value for either investors or or GPs that are trying to grow their business. So good to be on. Absolutely, man. We're excited to have you on, and you know, it's been a pleasure working with you and your team over there at Invest Next. And for any of the audience that may be tuning into our show recently, we we did a recording, man, over I guess about over a year ago. I think it's one of our First earlier episodes with uh, one of the founders, Mr. Kevin Harris. That was our introduction into Invest Next, and then uh, it's been off to the races since. But for those who may be hearing this for the first time and trying to figure out, hey, who the heck is Invest Next? Tell us, <laughs> tell the audience what you guys do and how do you service uh, the real estate syndication world. Yeah, so we're an investment management platform. So it's a solution for sponsors, GPs, co-GPs, anyone who's raising capital to help you manage your investors, pay your investors, send documents to your investors. So K1 season, they can manage all that stuff. So helps you manage basically your investor base, your capital raising, and then creates that transparency from you and your group and your projects that you're working on, your deals, your funds, whatever, to, to the investor. So the investor then can log into your portal and they can see everything real time versus having something on a spreadsheet, which is how most typically get started. And that's how that's how I used to do it back, uh, you know, five years ago when I was raising capital. But I think it just creates more professionalism for you as a company, especially if you're starting out. They've got a place to go and actually visually see everything. It's kind of like people like to see it, touch it, feel it. And if they can log in somewhere and see their investments, it just makes them feel a little bit better for themselves. So we try to manage the whole process, the not so fun part of capital raising. And then the even more not so fun part of like paying the distributions out and managing that whole process and trying to make that a little bit easier and streamlined for you. So that's it. And kind of like a 30,000 foot view. 
Well, I tell you, it's it's so important. And this is something that Brian and I preach all the time is systems, automating your business, efficiency. And I, I think a, a platform like Invest Next definitely helps fill that void, right, Brian? I mean, you know, the more that you can streamline and become more efficient under one platform. It definitely helps you as an operator, but it also, Brad, to your point, it does help you build a, I think, a better trust with your investor database because it is professional, it is organized, it is streamlined, and it's user-friendly, which is also great. What do you, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think there's it, what's really important, and I know that's probably one of your goals at Investnext, Brad, is you want to remove as much friction as possible, right? It's already hard enough to get somebody to want to invest with you. You know, it's a nurturing process to get somebody to send you fifty, hundred thousand dollars. The last thing you want to do is when they're finally ready to invest, is make the process complicated, right? So that's sort of uh, that's your job at Investnext is to provide value to us in a way to make that capital raising experience much easier. And I think there's something to be said definitely about that professionalism element to make that as frictionless as possible and make it easy on the uh, the investor. And to that note, as far I mean, you've you're dealing with typically probably ultra high net worth, high net worth accredited investors. And you may be doing you know, five or six B where it's not accredited, but you only have so much time for them to invest. So if, if it's the process is hard, they may just say, I'm not going to do this. I'll just, you know, I'll go to the next deal or whatever. So trying to make that as simple as possible, because you may have 20 minutes of their time is something crucial. And that's something we're always kind of working on, like, how can we improve this? So that's why we have, you know, the ability for investors to sign in the portal, send you funds through the portal, because you may not get that back. And another thing that I experienced when I, so I used to send, we used to send out emails to everyone I was, when I was actually capital raising. So we'd send the whole PPM, the subscription agreement, and I'd send a detailed email. And it was, I mean, it was like a novel of stuff like this is how you fill it out. But I thought it was good because it detailed everywhere they need to sign. But when you send a document, it used to be they were printed up, fill it out by hand, send it back to us. And they're just filling out everything or they're just not filling out a lot at all. They're not reading my email. So that was one of the the main things we wanted was having the portal for the different investors based off of how they're investing. If they're investing through like an individual or if they're investing through an LLC, that it forces them to fill out those fields properly. Because the last thing you want is an investor to send you all the documents. They think they've got it all done. And then you go back and say, hey, thanks for the $250,000, but um, you missed page two on here. Could you go back and re-sign this? So I think it just, it helps with that process and it it eliminates those weird conversations that you may be a little, at least I used to be intimidated by. I'm like, I mean, we're dealing with a doctor here. He missed one little thing on this sheet. Do we really need him to do it and you know fill this out? And yes, you do. Because the last thing you want is the SEC coming back and be like, hey, you missed, you missed this here and it could open you up for stuff. So that's one thing we're, we're active. We're always like, all right, how do we, how can we, make it not only professional, but how can we make it, you know, um, correct and help you help you guys or any syndicators out of, of filling out the documents. Cause it seems like at least with, with newer GPs or newer sponsors, they're not really familiar with the documents. I mean, the attorney sends it to them, especially the first deal. Then they're just like, all right, let's raise capital. I don't see attorneys going over like, Hey, this is where you should fill this out. This is what a subscriber is. This is what you need to put in this spot, et cetera. It's just kind of like, here's your, here's your legal documents and good luck and send them back to me when you get them done. So we're trying to just, you know, how can we make that process easier? How can we make it accurate? And how can we make it easier for the investors as well too? So it's always a, it's always a work in progress. Well, you guys are doing a great job. And then that's one of the fun things about working with you guys. But I, I want to go back to your point because you you hit the nail on the head here when it comes to, again, that that efficiency or that user-friendly interface. And you're absolutely right. I mean, these are very, very busy professionals that 
their time is very, very limited, right? And this is both for sophisticated and accredited investors, but everybody's time is very limited. And when it comes to these capital raises, right, it's time sensitive. You have deadlines you've got to meet, you have funding dates you have to meet. And so chasing people around to get documents signed, or like you said, oh, I missed the signature or whatnot, that can be a very frustrating process and can be very irritating to the investor. You're absolutely right. And so the more seamless the process can be, the more I think trust the, the investor is going to have in you and your ability to, to make this a very smooth investment offering for them. And that's, that's so important. Yeah, especially when you're that close, like you, you want to get the, the cash. So how, how quickly can you get the cash? And that's why we added the ability to actually accept ACH inbound too. So they don't have to go to the bank to send the funds. I mean, if they go wire the funds, it's actually a little quicker, but we found most people are willing to just send ACH. It'll take a couple of days, but you know, if it's Thursday, I have 20 minutes. I can knock that whole thing out. I can send my money. Then I don't have to worry about going to the bank or you know trying to send an appointment to the bank and then wire funds or doing it from my phone or whatever. But you can kind of just knock it out in one spot, which is which is one key thing that we were so excited about kind of rolling out at the beginning of the year. And it's like, all right, that that helps again. But what else can we do to kind of streamline this? We're always looking at different things and you know, always trying to take feedback. Like, all right, how, how can we incorporate this? How can we incorporate this? Because every it's crazy to think like capital raising would be. Like, this is how you capitalize, but everyone comes in and it's like different. It's uh, chaos and it's it's fantastic because it like breaks the system. It's like, all right, this is what they need. How do we get this in there so they can raise raise capital or so you know? So it's always it's always good just with the the different, you know, the newer GPs, the newer co-sponsors and trying to figure that out. And you know, how can we make this streamlined? And then how can we back ourselves away from it and open up enough stuff for you guys to kind of like run your day-to-day so you're not waiting on us to either approve stuff or delete stuff or et cetera. So it's always kind of a, a work in progress. But at the same time, how do we not let sponsors kind of mess something up? So like deleting projects, for example, we do that on our end because we don't want someone to accidentally delete a project and then go, all right, well, I just had 40 investors on that. Now the project's no longer on the portal. How do we get that back? So there's a few things we still kind of keep on our side until we're comfortable with it. But um, but it's interesting. And my goal is always, it's like a, a fight with development of, all right, I want to open up everything. Let them do everything. Let them mess it up. And you're always like, no, nah, we, we don't want them to mess this part up. Uh, I'm like, all right, I can't understand. Um, but if we see stuff uh, over and over, like I'll, I'll fight to kind of get up like, all right, maybe, maybe open this up a little more. But, uh, <laughs> just to well, kind of keep everything secure, you know. So. I was going to say, yeah, keep, keep that level of protection because, you know, I mean, Brian, we all know, right? I mean, we're so busy. You, you get so many different hats to wear and so many different responsibilities. It's very easy to make a quick mistake, especially if it's at a push of a button. And uh, look, I mean, some of us are not tech experts, you know, so platforms are great, but you don't want it to be in the hands of people that don't really understand how to navigate them. So keep those lever, level of protection because <laughs> you know when things go wrong, fingers get pointed, right? They automatically start pointing elsewhere. So <laughs> For sure. And that's, that's what our development's really good with is a lot of things that I get from our investors and trying to, or our clients and trying to push or the investor side too. Um, and they're like, eh, but what about this case? And I'm like, all right, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. I wasn't yeah. thinking about that. So that's one of the things we like, Cody, is in how, how much Investnex listens, right? They're listening to their users. They're listening to their clients and adding the features that we're requesting. And I think that's not something you get sort of that, uh, small business feel, even though Investmex is a growing company. I think that customer service element is definitely something that uh, we should talk about. So Brad, over at Investmex, you know, what, what, what's your philosophy with customer service with your clients? You know, what, what are you guys looking to do uh, as far as, you know, growth and, and things of that nature? And, you know, where are you going in 2022? 
Yeah. So we just raised, we just did a capital raise and we we're lucky enough to have some great partners from around the mid we're, we're a Detroit based company. So we had a couple of Detroit venture firms, uh, Grand Rapids, which is on the West side of the state, uh, one out of Canada as well. So we got the Midwest as kind of our, our roots. So we're uh, happy about that. But what we're going to do with some of that capital is obviously put it back into development for different things. One of those is going to be fund manager. So we've got some, some really big REITs that are starting to look around for fund management. And we're like, all right, how can we incorporate that? Why do we want them to go somewhere else? Let's try to incorporate that. So we're actively working to get fund management up. And I'm not sure the time and when this is going to be released, but I think rather quickly, we'll be able to turn that and say, all right, how can we help manage your REITs? How can we help manage these big problems? I mean, we have some with you know over 50 different projects that instead of them hiring someone, they just want us to kind of manage everything for them. So we're, we're actively developing that and we're putting some cash towards that. We think there's a lot of value for that for some of our clients. We have some some newer funds that are asking for fund management, but I I tell them honestly I don't know that you need that right now. I mean, we can we can do this, manage all this. If it gets too busy, then we can kind of go that route. And and now that we'll have we'll be able to offer that, that'll be something that we're, we're very excited about. But some you can still manage it all in the portal. I mean, you can pay them. You can set up distribution plans that you know if you have you know less than 100 investors, you should be able to manage that. No no problem. Hopefully, if if we're doing our job. So some will say, you know, kind of give my opinion, they can do whatever they wish. And at least we'll have this, the fund management, it'll be, it'll be cool. But what else we're going to do is then get obviously more developers, get into customer success, more sales, more marketing. But customer success is a, is a huge part of kind of what we drive for. And it's just how can we get you set up in the portal? And that's, we always have a deployment call and that's, some people will try to speed that process up. But I, I say, I mean, that's the most important call I think we have besides going over the, the portal with you is all right, here, here is what we can do. But then the deployment calls, we have someone from our either customer success or deployment team will hop on and show you, right? Here's a checklist, how you brand this out. This is how you can walk through. Um, if you have any help, you know, help questions you need, we have help articles that we create uh, videos or screenshots from based off of the, the questions that we get. So if we start seeing an influx of questions about how do I create e-signature documents, we'll create a video over that and then help you hopefully, like I said, walk earlier, walk away. Like how can we remove ourselves? And if we keep having help articles, videos, that'll hopefully have you drive there and then manage it all yourself without having us kind of help out. But you don't have to wait an hour for us to respond. A little quick question, you should be able to find those answers. And that's kind of what we're driving for. So get more help articles. And we've got over, I think, 100 some. We're always changing, editing those. And we're always working out bugs or changing or adding new features based off like we have a soft commitment feature, which is really cool. And then it's like, all right, now we need to change this video again because we do all this stuff. But customer success, I think, is that's where I started with the company. And it's something I'm pretty passionate about because it's, it's if it takes too long, it, it drives me crazy. And I always want to hop on and kind of help people out. So after deployment, going back to the original question, so after deployment, then we're like, all right, how can we still help everyone? And, and for those that are not tech savvy, we'll set up maybe a weekly call if we have to, to try to bring it up and running. If you need someone to help you build out your first capital raise, we'll hop on a call. We've got videos that'll show you, but we'll help hop on a call because setting it up correctly the first time and the most important parts, the e-signature documents, but setting those up correctly is going to be the best experience for your investors. Getting back to you only have 20 minutes, you know, let's have them sign the documents correctly. And it helps you because then you hopefully won't have to answer you know, a bunch of questions if you've set it up correctly. The system should just flow. So training, I think we're going to start incorporating some training sessions where we, you know, we'll have maybe once a month a demo of like this is how you create capital raises. That's kind of what we're going to. 
But, you know, I think customer success, we are always trying to be quicker, but I think we still do a pretty good job. I know we tell everyone less than 24 hours, but it seems to be way, way quicker than that. But it's, if you can't manage the, the portal or we're stopping you or preventing you from doing something, let's open that up as long as it makes sense. And then let's try to help you as much as possible, but not do everything for you. That way you kind of, you know, you teach how to fish, but um, giving you fish isn't going to you know help you down the road for subsequent deals. So that's kind of our philosophy with the customer success. Well, I definitely agree with your point about the, the customer success being the most important, right? Because as operators, as people that are managing other people's capital and documentation reporting, all the things that come along with syndication, you know, we want something that's streamlined for us as well, right? You know, us as the primary user who's setting up the portal and, and working and navigating our investors through the portal, you know, if it's difficult for us, it's going to be difficult for our investors. And I think you're right. I think having the capability to provide feedback or or provide context on, hey, it would be great if you could do X or if this was a little bit different and looks like this. And then you guys take that feedback and really work with your clients to see if that's something that is doable or a consistent problem and something that can be innovated um, whatnot. So I think that's really good because ultimately, again, it goes back to that efficiency piece. Whatever is the easiest for us to create this very easy interface that we can use and navigate so our investors can see that. So Absolutely. It's all about just making everything convenient, right? We live in a yeah. society where everybody is strapped for time. This all comes down to, so, you know, making the customer success calls, you know, to the point, so we're not wasting each other's time and then getting our stuff set up as quickly as possible and, and then getting the investors in the portal and making it as easy as possible. And I've used Investnext before, Cody. We've we've submitted you know funds to Investnext on on both sides, on the GP and LP side, and uh, we can speak from experience that it's been a great experience so far. And I think the funnel, the way it works, we're really big fans of it. So, uh, Brad, you guys are, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Um, I appreciate that. That's um, that's awesome, especially if you're on both sides of it to to see how it works. And I think that like the easy to navigate things, uh, the thing we're trying to really hit home. So. We were talking like, do we, you know, do we develop an app down the road, which I think we're probably going to. So to make that at least, so the investors are signing. I mean, they can they can still sign on from the phone, but maybe an app makes it a little bit easier. So we had feedback for that, which we're kind of going to be diving into that, and then just more user friendly. So we just rolled out Investor Portal 2.0, which we've had our old Investor Portal side. So now it's a newer look, a cleaner look, hopefully easier to navigate. We used to send, you know, you'd send documents to an investor, they'd get updated and then they'd have to find the documents. So now we're really like smacking them in the face for that. Or if they log in, we're going to hit them in the face with a new offering. Like here's the new offerings at the top of the screen to kind of make those steps uh, a little bit easier. So it's, and it's always like feedback from, you know, groups like yourself that it's like, all right, let's, this makes complete sense. Like how did we miss that? And then how quickly can we get that in, into the portal? Some stuff may take huge development. And I'm not the tech guy, more of like the sales business development guy, but it's just, it's like, that eh, seems like this should be easy. And then sometimes it takes way longer than, than I think, especially when we're close to stuff. So we've got like a new feature rolling out. For, for example, we've had a group come back and say, all right, so you can send out a, a deal room to everyone. So you can create this pretty little deal room, send it out. And if investors have not, don't have a username or password with you, they can click this apply to reserve and they fill out this form that you can create. You can ask whatever questions on the form and it'll follow back to the contact. One of them we typically saw a lot was how much are you willing to invest or how much do you want to invest on this? And they were answering that. And it would follow back to the contact, but they would do this in a deal. So you guys have a new deal out. If you have that field in there, someone said, why can't we just have that now be their soft commitment? Because we were, we were then having them register, they create their username, password, and then they go back into the deal room and then they commit a soft commitment. We're like, 
oh, it makes complete sense. I don't know why we didn't do that earlier. So we're coding that and that should hopefully, I was, I was testing it last night and hopefully that's done by tomorrow. But I don't know, this could be in our week of testing. I don't know how long. It just seems like, all right, it's working. I've tried it seven times. So that seems like it's doing good. But like, like something small like that, it's just like, wow, how, how did we miss that? Like, why, why do we want the investor then? I mean, they're, they're essentially putting that soft commitment. Let's have that now go to an opportunity in the deal room and add themselves to an opportunity. So now you have that. So they don't have to go back and then hit that dollar amount again. So you're getting quicker, a little bit easier for them. And it, it avoids... Uh, hopefully some confusion. So I'm excited about that. So we'll push that out pretty soon. And you guys should probably utilize that. It's one of those little features that we knock out every once in a while. I'm like, this is amazing. Attention accredited investors. Are you looking for your next elite investment opportunity before the end of the year? Well, we are really excited to pause the show and tell you about our latest investment offering in a rapidly growing market right outside of Dallas, Fort Worth. And we've been dying to get this announcement out here on the show, as I know that many of you have been looking for your next great risk-adjusted investment opportunity to wrap up this year. So let me give you the three reasons why this deal is so incredible and why we think you will find it equally as compelling. Number one, this is a 396-unit A-class community that offers an impressive amenity package to the residents. Number two, we're offering a 7% preferred return with a projected return profile of 26% IR and a 2x equity multiple over, get this, three-year hold. And last but certainly not least, we're going to be able to capture at least 100 plus percent of year one bonus depreciation for 2021. That's right, 2021. We launched this deal about two weeks ago and we have had a tremendous amount of interest already. We've offered only 50 spots to accredited investors and we're down to our last few spots remaining before closing out our fundraise. There are several hundred qualified accredited investors that have access to this offering. And this is a first come, first serve, just like our prior deals. So if you'd like to learn more about this offering and reserve your spot today, make sure to stop the show right now. Visit www.blueoakinvest.com forward slash Lone Oak, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, to secure your spot before the deal fully subscribes. Now back to the show. You guys got a great team. And, and again, I think you've done a, a phenomenal job on, on really working, like you said, working with the clients, really continue to evolve. I think that's really great is, you know, expand again, innovate this platform and whatnot. Like you said, to always make it the best experience that you can for both the GPs, LPs that are coming into the portal and such. But th this is a very crowded space. I feel like, you know, the tech space is very, very popular. There's a lot of new platforms coming to market, you know, whether it be through investor management or other type of platform. What do you think is the thing that differentiates InvestNext from your other competitors, I guess, in your market? I think our distribution waterfall, hands down, is, I'd say, the best. I've used a few of them. To manage your investors after, I mean, that's one thing to kind of capital raise. That's cool. You get the, you know, helps with that process. Awesome. But to manage the investors after, that, that's where we've pulled from other companies, right? Like, it's crazy to me that some, some of the big ones don't pay ACH distribution still or writing checks. So we'll send an ACH. We've had some that have left other companies just based off of the ability to actually manage the investors after the deal is done. And you can set up your waterfall. It'll just, it creates all that for you. So you don't have to do it in Excel anymore. Excel leaves so many rooms for error. And that kind of gets to a, a, another thing that I think some, some newer GPs will start with is that they create these crazy waterfalls to start. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that complex. You don't have to have three different classes based off of how much they invest. And then you're taking a portion of someone's who invested less as funds for an asset management fee and then add an IRR hurdle. And 
is just confusing to some of these these newer investors. And it's like, if you just keep it simple, I think investors like that a little more. But um, but anyway, getting back to the original question, I think I love our distribution waterfall. I love that you set it up, you run it. If there's an error in, in the bank account, you just go back into the distribution. Like So the investor put in, put in something incorrectly, you just hit, hit it again, sends the funds back out, or they can change it. You can send a check to them if, if you want. It's helped a lot of our clients with that process that if you haven't done it before, you don't know how terrible that process is because some still have to go to the bank. And if you have 30 projects, you're going to the bank and spending all day sending distributions out and you've got Excel spreadsheets that you're going over with a banker. I love that aspect of it. And once we start rolling out the fund management too, I think that'll be really cool. But I'd like to say customer success too. I, I think we're doing a really good job of that. And I hope we continue to keep keep the turn times up as quick as they are. But I know from us for an experience, because we are a software company that uses software companies. We know that some we email it's going to be four weeks before they respond to us. If some that's going to take a week, some a couple weeks, some a couple days, but no one's really that quick. And we can't be that slow because otherwise you're just, people are going to go somewhere else, especially when they're first starting up. So it's, it's adamant that we block out time to, you know, for someone on the, on the team to like hit those emails back in the morning, hit them up back in the afternoon. Some other people will kind of dive in throughout the day. And it's our top focus is you guys. How do we make it quick? I could make it as painless as possible. I mean, you're raising capital, you're using technology. There's probably going to be issues at some points, but how can you know how quickly can we fix them or resolve them or you know get it fixed and move on? So that's kind of always what at the top of our mind. And and Brian, that, that's why uh, that's why Jay from uh, Investnext was blowing us up when we first started. Remember? <laughs> yeah, the, the customer service was phenomenal. To be honest, I mean, he was on top of all his stuff and he was following up with us, and we had reoccurring meetings, and he was checking in and. Uh, it's better to be there more than you need, which is definitely the case uh, versus not being there enough, right? And maybe you need some support and the guy you're supposed to be talking to for support, you can't get a hold of. It definitely yeah. wasn't the case for, for Jay. So we definitely had a great experience with the onboarding process. Yeah, Jay's, Jay's been phenomenal. And Jay's, he's so smart with technology. He's brought in so many different processes and different software solutions that have helped streamline a lot of this stuff, just like he's built some AI into the... And it's, the guy's phenomenal. He's super smart. He's got a great finance background. So just having him and I always default to him with any like customer success stuff, but, but he's just like some of the stuff he's come up with. I'm like, Jesus, guy's an absolute genius. So it's good to uh, good to have him on our side for sure. But he's he's good. We're happy he's on the team. Uh, the whole the whole customer James from customer success. I'm not sure if you've gone back and forth with him at all. He's uh, super smart too. Um, kind of newer on the team, but he's done a phenomenal job just diving into it. It's crazy to have because as as we hire new employees, especially for customer success, it's tough for them to kind of grasp this whole industry. It's tough pe- for people. I have real realtor friends that it's tough for them to grasp what we even do. And that always blows my mind. It's like, you should be trying to have your investors get into stuff like this. Like You should know this for sure. So to bring customer success on, it's, it's tough sometimes to grasp it and then figure out and then figure the tech and what we need to do. But, you know, everyone from customer success, but James has kind of adapted to that real quick too. So it's interesting because we're in an interesting alternative investment classes and it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Once you grasp it though, it's like, this is a beautiful thing. This is, I mean, this is better than mutual funds. This is better than going to financial advisor, you know, and have them just throw you whatever kind of deals they have in their, uh, in their portfolio that they get paid off of. It's actually the investor driving this themselves and finding these deals and being partnering people like you guys. And it's like, once they, you know, they do the work, they should, you know, they, they invest in you guys, research you guys. And then at that point, they know if you're bringing them deals from now on, they trust you guys and they should be able to feel confident in all those deals that actually fall on the table that you present them. So it's, it's an interesting time um, that we're kind of at right now. It's a fun time for sure. It's a, it's a great time to be an investor right now. And 
you know, real estate's been succeeding quite well, both pre and post COVID. So I, I definitely do agree. And, you know, Brad, we've been talking a lot about invest next from, I think more of the operational side, you know, for the general partner who's managing their investor database through their uh, portal. But I, I kind of want to talk to the process for the limited partners that are coming in through these portals. And so, you know, when we talk about passive investors, when they're vetting the sponsors that they're working with, looking at sponsors that are experienced, looking at sponsors that have good systems and great communication and having an investor management portal like InvestNext is a component of that. And I say that because if you have guys that don't have good systems and don't have good processes in place or good tools like InvestNext to help automate their business, then that leaves you exposed to mistakes happening. I think we alluded to that earlier in our conversation, right? But Look, we we have guys that are wildly successful raising capital using Excel-based <laughs> spreadsheets. I mean, that's their skill and that's what they do and that's great. But I think overall, in general, as a passive investor, when you're considering working with somebody, it, you know, if they're sending you individual emails or, or you're just getting... Uh, I don't know, Brian, what are some of the other things that we've seen, um, you know, checks sent in the mail, yeah. you know, <laughs> documents that you have to print and sign, those type things. Like you said, it's just, it becomes more of a labor intensive process. I think for the past investor, that's something to really kind of keep an eye on when you're talking about vetting your sponsors and what type of systems they have in place. What do you think, Brian? Absolutely. I think it's important that you understand what you're getting into before you wire your money, right? So if it's really complicated to get your money into the portal, to fill out the documents, to get in touch with the sponsor and to communicate, then what type of experience do you think you're going to have for the next three to five years, right? Uh, you're going to have a little bit of a, a frustrating process, getting updates, getting your money, which is arguably the most important part, not only your returns, but getting your capital back. So I think as an LP, it's definitely one of those questions, you know, we always talk about what are the types of questions should you ask a sponsor before you invest in a deal? And everybody wants to know what the cash on cash is and the IRR, what's the hold period, what's the business plan. But I don't think it's brought up enough that you should ask about uh, what type of systems are you using to not only manage the asset property management software, but what type of systems are you using to manage your investors? How are you going to make the experience a good experience for me? Yeah, that's that. That's a good point. And I, I think vetting the sponsors is huge. And don't vet them on that deal because that's just a deal. Like vet them, like vet you two and see what kind of people you are. And then you guys should be finding out what's their investment thesis. Is it a younger person maybe? And they want their equity to just multiply. So they might be looking at equity multiple and say, all right, I don't really need the funds every month. I, I'm good for like development deals because I don't need this to any returns for three years. Or is it someone who's maybe dependent on that monthly cash on cash? So there's like, not only for them vetting you two, and then they can dive into the deal and see see what it is. But you guys should also be vetting them as well. You know what, what are you looking for? And then when you get those deals, like all right, you know you know to send those those investors those deals because there's different appetites. There's there's investments that I love that are if you you do like a value add that you keep for 10, 15 years or something. But if you can refi it in in eighteen months and and I get all my cash back as an investor. I don't really care what the returns are after that. If it's a couple percent a year to 5% a year, that's fine because I have all my money back. And the next deal you have, I can throw that all back into that. And then that just starts compounding. So now I'm getting 10% pref or 8% pref off this 50 grand one time. I get all that back 18 months later. Then I can reinvest it in the next deal. And I'm getting 8 to 10% pref on the, on the actual cash again, but I'm still getting a couple percent from, from this, this cash flow that you're just building. Plus, I have equity in that first deal too, and it's just I think a lot of those ones get overlooked. But I love those longer multi, you know, value add deals that you hold for a, a little, you know, a little while. 
and then return. So there's just different investors that are, have different appetite. It's just kind of you guys knowing them and asking the right questions. And then hopefully they're probably vet the project pretty hard, but they should be vetting you guys as well and kind of like your character and who you guys are and what your goal is the next 10, 15 years. And when I used to raise capital, we used to get a ton of questions from potential investors that we didn't know because we got into podcasts that people find out who we were, didn't really know us. But I, I loved like a lot of questions up front to a point. It got to a point where it's like, all right, we already answered this. But um, then it eliminates questions down the road. So when you have a deal, they've already vetted you and asked a ton of questions. They typically aren't going to ask questions down the road versus someone who thinks it might be, you know, they're used to development deals or maybe they're, they're used to cash deals every month. And then now you do a development deal and they're like, you know, where's, our, where's my money? It's like, well, this is different different investment. You're not getting it month to month. You're getting it three years down the road, you know, and it may be something they're not interested in. But um, and you also brought up something pretty interesting. Well, two other things, but um, checks in the mail. So I have a buddy who I used to work with, and then he started his own GP investment firm. And his goal was he's, he's old school. He's from Louisiana. And he's like, I'm writing a check to everyone. I'm sending them a nice check writing a letter with them and sending this out. Uh, and he started doing that like a couple months. I was like, all right, this is, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, so he had nice checks that he had made and sent all these out. And it, it got to the point where not only did he not want to do that after a while, but you've now created work for your investor. Whenever I get a check, I'm always like, oh, like I, I get this little dividend check, which is like a dollar something every three months from some company I used to work for. And I'm always like, oh, now I got to like take a picture of it on my phone. It's like, if you send someone a check, you've now given them a job or you've created like a task that they need to do. They either need to take a picture of it or they need to go to the bank and deposit. And so he finally realized that. He's like, all right, I got to stop sending checks. I'm going to use the, the system to do all this stuff. And then another thing that we do as a tech company, so... We've used two things that I think have made us, especially in the remote world, more efficient is a company called Pragly, P-R-A-G-L-I. It's like a Zoom, but it's it's essentially your, a virtual office. So we've created different rooms for it. So we have like a customer success channel, a growth channel, et cetera. But we can, you can see who's on. So in the morning, some people will hop on there and then you can just ping someone. So it's essentially like you're walking and knocking on the door. The door will knock. If you're available, you can answer it, but then you can talk right then. Um, so you're not then sending us like we used to do this with customer success. Someone will say, Hey, can you hop on a Zoom call? Like, yeah, cool. I'm available at 10:30. Is that cool for you? We don't hear from you till 10:45. You're like, no, that wasn't cool. How about 11? And you don't hear back from me. So we used to do that internally too. And we're like, all right, Pragly, you can literally just knock on someone's door if they're ready, cool. If not, we'll just send them a quick like little slide. So that's helped tremendously of just us getting in a room together. And it's a startup company and worth checking out, and especially because it's they're doing they do some cool stuff. But then Loom is another thing that we've been huge on. And I'll tell some of our, our GPs, like if they ask, how do I show my investors how to get this deal? Create a Loom as if you're a new investor, walk through that whole process and add that in the deal room and say, all right, if you have any confusion with how to how to do this, like run through this. And then you run through, do it on your portal, helps you kind of understand the process. But then they've got a video there that you can always go back and reference. But it's sped up our turn times tremendously because we used to do that process I was talking about before where we go back and forth. All right, we need to hop on a call where you could just say, hey, I added GP shares in this in project one, two, three. Can you see if I did that right? I can look on real quick and go whenever I get a minute. I mean, if I have a call at 10 o'clock, it's 9.55 my time right now, I can look on and go... All right, this is what you do. I make a 45 second video. This is what you should have done, or this is what you did. Looks all good and then done. And we don't have to go back and forth of, hey, how's 10 o'clock for you? Not good. How's 11 for you? Or here's my Calendly or whatever. It just kind of knocks it. We can knock it out real quick, get onto the next one, and then try to help them out too. So those two technologies have been absolutely huge for, for us as a, as a tech remote company that's, um, we think it's made us kind of more efficiently, at least on the back end. Yeah, no, we're, we're Loom fanatics. We, we shoot videos all the time. We, uh, it just makes things easier, right? Which is great. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. 
Yeah. Well, Brad, I want to go back and highlight one thing as we're nearing the end of our conversation here. And, and, you know, just for the audience that's listening, and I think it's important to highlight, you mentioned this a couple of times, you were a formal capital raiser yourself. So you were an actual syndicator as well. You were out there going raise investor funds. So now being involved with Investnex, it's not just you guys are a tech company. I mean, you guys are, you know, a team that's been in the business. You know, you've been investors yourself and you understand the dynamic of being an operator or a limited partner in a deal. So I think that's important just to highlight. We always like bringing that up when, you know, our our professionals in the space are actually living and breathing the industry as well, right? So you're a former investor, maybe hopefully still an active investor now, but also involved in the business, which I think helps merges the needs between you guys as a service that you're providing to us as clients, but us as general partners who are like, hey, how do we best serve our investor database? You know, how do we make this, like they said, just a seamless process to where they always want to keep coming back to us? Right. And, and I think I've learned so much from this. Like I had my, my mentor when I first started was awesome. Learned a ton from him from the first company I started at and brought that mentality into here. And then it's like, all right, I need to throw that away. Keep the overall scheme of how you raise capital, but everyone's going to do it different and we need to adapt. Just because at first it was like, eh, why are they doing it that way? They should be doing it this way. Then it's like, all right, get rid of that mindset. And just be, all right, I know the industry or and we know the industry, but let's take their feedback just because it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't mean it, it's it's not the right thing to do, but then let's throw this and kind of have a discussion. So I think it's been good, but then it's kind of like, all right, throw a little bit of your uh, ego away and you know how you used to do it and then kind of edit and adapt to how everyone's doing it now because it's literally changed. I mean, I know you mentioned like 2022, what we're going to do, Brian, but it's like where we see it. I mean, it's probably gonna be different three months from now. And it's then, you know, three months later, it's crazy. Just, just the stuff, but we're, I mean, we're, we've been excited about the last two years have been just amazing growth. And some of the stuff we have like coming down the pipe that we're working on that fund management and then uh, a couple other things, keeping them back uh, will be cool at the, at the beginning of, of next year that we're kind of developing. So, but yeah, it's all beautiful and it's uh, it's an amazing industry and the alternative investments groups like yourself and some of the, the partners that we've had have been just absolutely phenomenal. And that was, that's, I think, been huge to our growth. It's just like, we've been lucky enough to have some real leaders in the space that have a lot of feedback. We'll take the feedback and try to edit and adapt it up without our customers and our clients. It's, I mean, we couldn't be where we are today, so... Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, you, you get two good accolades here on our end. I mean, it's been great, like I said, great working with you guys. And again, just love the, I love the customer service aspect and always evolving, like I said, always taking that feedback, always looking at ways to innovate the platform and make it easier and efficient. And it's just been a great experience. So looking forward to your growth, looking forward to seeing the future changes that are coming and just being a part of that, man. It's It's been fun so far. But Brian, before we get off here with Brad, anything that we didn't ask, anything that you wanted to cover? Yeah, no, everything's been great, Brad. Really appreciate you coming on the show and adding value and letting everybody know about Investnext. So we're excited to share the, the story and our experience as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. I always love talking to you guys. And hopefully in Q1, we'll be in Texas and can do some sort of meetup gathering and get a bunch of people together in trade stories. And hopefully maybe you find some more uh, sponsors that you can work with or expand the network or maybe new investors too. But looking forward to seeing you guys again at some point. Likewise, man. Can't wait. We'll even come pick up at the airport. Brian will even have a <laughs> cup of coffee prepared for you. So <laughs> uh, That's funny. I know you said coffee connoisseur. I am terrible at coffee. I, I don't drink coffee at all. You, you don't either, huh? See, Brian? Look, see, I'm not the only one, man. I'm going to hop yeah, off now. I see you guys later. <laughs> you two are, the, me, me and you are the only two that don't, I think. I'd love to try it. Uh, maybe you can get me, maybe you can get me going on it, but I've been gone this far. I haven't, haven't uh, needed it. Awesome. Well, Brad, man, before we get off here, tell the audience how they can get connected with you and learn more about Investnext. 
Yeah, so we've got uh, LinkedIn you can follow. We've got Investex on there. Me, Brad, St. Ange. Um, it's S-T period O-N-G-E, so it's kind of a little confusing. But um, So I'm on LinkedIn. You can hit me up at brad at investnext.com. We've got Instagram, too. We're trying to grow that Instagram. It's Our social media presence has been awful, but we're trying to um, be better with that. But we've got Investnext software, and I'm on there somewhere. But cool. Yeah, we're, we're, we're excited about this this year and love partnering with you guys and love the show. Keep up the door. Awesome, man. You guys keep innovating, keep being uh, great stewards to the community here and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. But thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, friend. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Blue Oak Capital. To learn more about Blue Oak Capital and how you can partner with us, visit www.blueoakinvests.com. Tune in next time.